0: listen to and I want to start with a story that I'm sure all of you know about an ugly duckling and the story about the ugly duckling was that somehow this other egg had got into the nest that mother duck was looking after and when the ducklings were hatched all of the nice little fluffy brown ducklings were there but one of the ducklings didn't look like the other duckling and it was sort of white and different and had a strange shaped beak and as they grew up all the other ducklings started taking, taking the mickey out of this ugly duckling and saying to it, look at you, your coat's the wrong colour, you're wrong, there's something wrong with your beak, what's wrong with you? And this poor ugly duckling one day got so depressed and so fed up that it decided to leave its mother and people who he thought were its brothers and sisters behind it and swam off across to the far side of the pond, just with its eyes shut, not even bearing to look at anything around it. And these other birds came to swim up to it and and they said, Wow, look at you. You're amazing. You're beautiful. And the ugly duckling said, What do you mean? I'm I'm the wrong colour. My my beak's the wrong shape. I I don't fit in. And they said, No, you're exactly the right colour. Look, you're you're the same colour as us. Your beak's the same shape as us. You're beautiful. And I'm sure you all know the story. And the ugly duckling looked down into the water into the reflection in the pond and he saw what previously had been this strange, fluffy, white signet with its beak the wrong shape, had grown into this beautiful, amazing swan that was just the most majestic bird that had ever been seen on this lake. And when he actually met the other swans, they said to him, that's who you are, you're a swan. And what I want to do today is is talk to you a little bit about the issue of identity and who we are, because I think that's right at the core of who we are as humans, and it also lies very much at the core of mental distress and and mental illness. And I want to talk about the identity we truly have, as it said in our collect today, sons and daughters of God, and sometimes the identity that other people give us. They say to us, you're different, you're strange. And that that misidentification often comes from people who don't get us who don't understand us, they don't understand that we are the sons and daughters of God and that God is interested in us. And I'm sure you've heard the old tale in the the nursery playground at school, sticks and stones may break my bones but names will never hurt me. And I think one of the things I want to say today is never was a greater untruth told in the playground. And there's names that other give us, other people give us that the story is told of Winston Churchill when he was a young man at junior school. His teacher said to him, you're never going to amount to anything. Or other people might come up to people and say, you're, you're spotty or, or you're overweight. Or in mental illness terms, you might say to someone, he's a nutter or he's a psycho or something like that. And those things can be extremely damaging. And of course often we say things to ourselves we give ourselves names that are not true such as i'm a failure i'm useless i'm weak i'm good for nothing i'm an ugly duckling and these names are given to us by people who don't get us who don't seem to understand us but god has got other plans for us and One of the stories we heard from the Old Testament was the story, and I'm sure you might have heard this many times, either in Sunday school or just in the church here, or just reading your Bibles, about Jacob. And Jacob was this young man, and to cut a long story short, he spent his whole day hanging around his mother's skirts. He really wasn't a man's man. He was really just hanging around in the kitchen. He'd never really grown up. And his mother had called him the name Jacob, which means deceiver. And he always was insecure, he was always looking to his mother for direction and for approval. And it wasn't until God actually got him away from his mother and actually had a wrestling match with him, because the story is that Jacob wrestled against an angel there, that God said to him, I'm going to change your name, you're not going to be called deceiver or weak or ineffective anymore, you're going to be called Israel, one who struggles with God for a blessing, one who is going to lead a nation and God gave him this completely new name. And you might have noticed in scripture that God very rarely allows people to give his key people names. Usually he gives them a name. One guy was called Saul and God said to him no you're called Paul. Someone was called Peter and God said Simon, sorry, and God said you're called Peter. One person was called Abram which means mighty father and God said to him that's not quite good enough. I'm going to call you Abraham which means father of many. And one person was called Jacob Deceiver, and he was renamed Israel, the one who has wrestled his blessing from God. And what I want to do is just take you through the beginning of of the Gospel of Luke, just some stories again that I'm sure you know about Jesus. And Jesus was born in difficult circumstances. He was born really without a proper father. People kind of knew that Joseph was around and was seen, but they also knew that they weren't married yet. And was this child illegitimate? Was he meant to take on the name Joseph, you know, son of Joseph the Carpenter? Or was he just Mary's child that had somehow got in there? And people probably went around to Jesus and said, who's your dad? Were you born out of wedlock? Are you actually the son of Joseph? Or did Joseph just marry Mary to keep Mary's honor and keep things quiet? Which is what we're told happened. And Also, Joseph and Mary themselves didn't really get Jesus. We hear the story of Jesus when he was in the temple, um, talking. This is when he was 12, they went to Jerusalem, and Jesus was talking with the leaders in the temple. And Mary and Joseph still hadn't worked out that Jesus was the Son of God. They still hadn't worked out that the obvious place for Jesus to be was in his Father's house. And they lost their own son for three days. Now, I don't know how many of you are parents or you've got children, here. Imagine losing your own child for three days and also knowing that your own child is the Son of God, not thinking that he's probably in his father's house at church. And it was fairly obvious that Joseph and Mary didn't really get Jesus either. Mary knew a little bit, maybe, but they didn't really get Jesus. And I guess a lot of Jesus' friends were were teasing him and saying, who are you? You've know, you got these high ideas. And in my work as a psychiatrist, I meet many 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 fascinating interesting people with stories to tell of overcoming struggle of having been through some amazing experiences that to be honest if i'd been through their experiences i may be having the same struggle that they have but people who don't get them are calling them all of these things they're saying to them you're weak you're different you're weird us the same people are over here All of the mad people, all of the depressed, weak people are over there. And the other thing that happens is these people can get very depressed as a result of all this name-calling and maybe begin to isolate themselves. The ugly duckling who who swims away from the group because they can't bear to be in that kind of environment. And that's one of the really awful things about my job, is is meeting people who people have never understood that, wow, that person was was a fighter pilot in World War II but now they've got depressed and everyone's forgotten that. Or, this person is an amazing mother with four children who she loves dearly. It's just that at the moment she can't cope. And people haven't made the effort to get to know people and really understand them. But sometimes, sometimes we are got by people and there were some people who got Jesus. You might remember the story that when Jesus was inside Mary's womb and John the Baptist was inside Elizabeth's womb, the two mothers met. And it said that John the Baptist, the baby, leapt with joy. He got excited when he met Jesus, even though he wasn't born. And John the Baptist began to get Jesus. Or the story when Jesus was presented at the temple, and Anna the prophetess had been in the temple fasting and praying for years, waiting for this moment. And Simeon, the old man, had been there for years, waiting because he'd had a dream that he was going to see Jesus. And these two people had been waiting. And one of the really exciting things about my job is when I'm able to spend time with people and talk to them and get them and help them see that spark. But unfortunately, like John the Baptist, John the Baptist was this desert prophet who got beheaded and he only had a minimal input into Jesus' life. And Anna and Simeon were old people who I imagine died fairly soon after and Jesus was only a baby and they probably only had minimal input into people's lives. And sadly, as a psychiatrist, I may just see someone once or twice. Sometimes I see longer, often it's just once or twice, and they're seeing someone else in the team. And although maybe I can create that spark, I can try to understand them a little bit, often I have a fairly minimal input into people's lives. But not so the local church. And that's where I'm going with this. Not so, not so the local church. So Jesus starts his ministry. He gets to the age of 30 or thereabouts and he starts his ministry. And John the Baptist calls him forward, he's baptized. And everyone was thinking, who is that? Who is that Jesus who John's about to baptize? And some people might have known Jesus as a good person. Some people might have known him as a a prophet. Some people wanted him to be a, a warlord who was gonna overthrow the Romans. Some people were thinking, who's that silly boy from Nazareth, what does he think he's doing? Other people would have said he was mad, other people would have said he's a fool but I don't don't know if Jesus was unsure about himself but certainly the crowd were very unsure about who he was but what actually happens there in the story that we had I'm just going to read that again is that if there were any doubts about who Jesus was if there were any doubts about whether or not he was a duckling or a signet God rests the matter once and for all and what we hear is that when a lot of people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven and said, you are my son, whom I love and with whom I'm well pleased. And God settled the issue of Jesus' DNA once and for all. And he said, this is my son. You know, you're not illegitimate. You're not a mistake. You're my son whom I love unconditionally without limits just the fact that you have my DNA that you have a pulse that you are human you are my son and the colic said we are God's sons and daughters and with whom I'm well pleased and don't forget Jesus hadn't done anything to earn God's approval at this point all he'd done was stand up and say God this is my life I'm going to face and walk towards Jerusalem now but he hadn't done that yet all he'd done was stand up and God said I am pleased with that And then if you've got any questions about who Jesus is, there's this massive, great, long genealogy, this great, long list of these names in the Bible. And I'm not going to try and read it out, because I'll probably get most of them wrong. But he goes on. Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began this ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. And you can think that if you want. But then it goes on. He's the son of Heli, the son of Levi, the son of Joni. And it goes through. And there's some famous names in there. The son of David, the son of Judah, the son of Noah the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. And that's why that passage is there, because everyone misunderstood Jesus, but God didn't. God knew exactly who Jesus was. And that's something I can never do in my role as a psychiatrist. I can never say, from my psychiatric knowledge, say to someone, you are a son and daughter of God. You were lost and now you are found. Come to me, all of you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I can do quite a lot as a psychiatrist, but I cannot do that. And I wonder if that's one of the key things that the church can do for people who struggle with themselves, who struggle with mental distress, maybe even are mentally ill. The church has got a key role in this kind of proclamation, affirmation, telling people, do you know what, you're not an ugly duckling, you're a beautiful swan. And that's something that the NHS, any counsellor, any psychiatrist can never do. And if you read on in Luke, Luke has a temptation, or Jesus has a temptation, which he's able to survive because he knows who he is. And then he goes into the temple, and the scroll of Isaiah is opened, and he begins to read from the scroll of Isaiah, and he says, "'The Spirit of the Lord has come upon me to proclaim healing for the brokenhearted, "'to send light for the darkness, to set the prisoner free.'" Jesus wants to take all these people who think they're depressed and depressed by depression, people who are, are in the bondage of mental illness, and he wants to set them free. And Jesus wants to be able to say to people, you know, you're not depressed, you're not an ugly duckling, you're not these things, you are a prince of the universe with an inheritance in heaven. He wants to say to those who are poor in spirit, there's going to be an inheritance in the kingdom of God. He wants to say to those who feel as though they've lost all hope, As he says in Luke 4, that this is the year of the Lord's favour. And this is the church. And I I I just I'm so excited by this that as a church we have an ability to say this kind of things to people. We the spirit that was on Jesus in the temple there is on his church today. The spirit of the Lord is upon the people in this building to go out into this community or to say to each other, and perhaps when we share the peace later, rather than saying the peace of God be with you, say, You are a son and a daughter of god isn't that amazing that's who you are and the church is a whole bunch of other things that i haven't got time to talk about today it's the alongside presence of the holy spirit you know we are the arms and legs of jesus we will walk with people carry them sometimes as the footprints poem says and it's also the healing community in which we get alongside one another we disciple each other sometimes we discipline each other we come together with a mission and a role and a reason for living have you ever noticed how many people who seem to be depressed have kind of lost their reason for living and the church has a reason for living it's to bring this good news and over lunch for those who wish what we're going to do is we're going to have a short period of time perhaps discussing how we can take this specifically further and i think sue's going to say a bit about that at the end But one thing we can all do as Christians, even if we haven't got a particular interest in this area, is is to say to people, you know, I know you feel like an ugly duckling, but I know that you're actually a beautiful swan. I know that you are a son and a daughter of God. Thank you.